Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Thursday, July 7th, 2022. Civil society activists in Sudan say the leadership crisis in the country has had a negative impact on the social and economic life of citizens. We, we believe that the revolution has been stolen and they are revolting again to and the head of the South Sudan Customs Division is accused of nepotism. Why are we going to Nairobi to go and rain for the place? And we and our thing in Mombasa is staying there freely. Let our government look into this issue. We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some Sudanese civil society activists are worried about their country's political future after military leader Abdel Fattah al-Burhan said the military will withdraw from UN-mediated talks and allow other groups to form a civilian transitional government. The activists say the leadership changes in Sudan have contributed to the deteriorating social and economic conditions in the country and worry things could get worse if no political consensus is reached. Michael Atit has more for VOA from Khartoum. Youth rights activist Muhammad Shakur tells South Sudan in focus the military coup led by General Al-Burhan last year interrupted all economic gains made by Sudan since the fall of long autocratic President Omar al-Bashir. He says over the past nine months, military leaders have proven they cannot lead the country and that the government should be handed back to civilians. He says citizens will not allow the military to rule Sudan again. We, we believe that the revolution has been stolen and they are revolting again to actually uh, overthrow Al-Burhan and the military, uh, the military regime that now is taking over the government because by now it's supposed to be a, a civilian government. Al-Burhan announced Monday the suspension of the military component in the UN and African Union-led political talks in the country to pave the way for civilian leaders and political parties to form a transitional government in Sudan. Shukur says he worries about the future unless the political parties come to a consensus. He says the Sudanese people no longer trust the military or the political parties because both are fighting over positions and for their own personal interests. Sudanese people don't believe in political parties. They believe in independent and technocrats. So if tomorrow uh, they give them the government, you don't expect political parties will be involved, but the people will choose uh, the independent uh, professional and technocrat who are not signing for any party. Al-Burhan said once the executive arm of government is formed, the sovereign council will be dissolved and a supreme council of armed forces will be formed to assume command of the regular forces and be responsible for security. On Tuesday, Al-Burhan fired five civilian members of the sovereign council. Rights activist Hassan Mubarak calls Burhan's announcement a tactical move. He says Burhan and his allies have wasted time which could have been spent preparing for elections. He says Sudan's constitution is clear about the role of the military in defending the country and its people. So Al-Burhan and other coup leaders violated the constitution by using force to take over the government. 
Mubarak says, we need a pure civilian rule in this country, and that means all the affairs of defense, security, and all the political decisions related to them should be the role of the civilian government. Rights activist Muhammad Khalifa welcomes Al-Burhan's decision to step back from the government and says the time has come for all political forces to sit down and talk to determine the future of Sudan. Khalifa says what is needed at the moment is a goodwill from all the parties to begin a genuine dialogue. He says most of those who are rejecting talks at the moment wanted to buy time and gain more interest from other parties. The Forces for Freedom and Change Coalition this week rejected Al-Burhan's announcement and called on protesters to continue with their demonstrations until the military steps down. For VOA News, I am Michael Atit in Khartoum. South Sudan Freight and Forwarders Association is criticizing a decision by the head of South Sudan's Customs Division to have goods coming from Kenya cleared in Nairobi rather than the Kenyan port of Mombasa. The association says the move was driven by nepotism and accuses the Customs Division chief of replacing clearing and forwarding companies with those owned by his relatives. Manyang David Mayar reports for VOA from Juba. In a letter seen by South Sudan in focus, the South Sudan Freight and Forwarders Association accuses the commissioner of the South Sudan Custom Division, Major General Akola Yee, of unilaterally transferring the clearing of South Sudan transit cargo from the port of Mombasa to Nairobi Freight Terminal. The association's general manager, Daniel Chol, calls the change dangerous for many South Sudanese. This uh, transfer of the cargo from Mombasa to Nairobi, it caused it caused the double charge because you have to to pay the the train. I that it should take your goods from Mombasa to Nairobi. Doesn't this made a double payment? On top of the additional charges for transporting goods from Mombasa to Nairobi, Shol says traders in South Sudan who import goods will have to pay higher clearance charges and rental fees from Nairobi Fry Terminal. And he says those costs will likely be passed on to consumers. Why are we going to Nairobi to go and rent for the place? And we and our thing in Mombasa are staying there freely. Let our government look into this issue because this issue makes a complication. South Sudan's Ministry of Trade and Industry Executive Director James Grang says he is aware of the problem and advised the Customs Division to reconsider its decision. We already uh, wrote our letter and we told them this one should be withheld. Actually, it's not a good idea to move our cargo from where it is located to, uh, to another place. Uh, there are more costs. That will, will skyrocket the price in the market. We've already been told that there are more charges on the top of transport. Grang says the commissioner for customs ignored the letter from the Minister of Trade and Industry, called Athian Mawen, and went ahead with the change. South Sudan Customs Division Commissioner Akola Yee told South Sudan in focus the transfer of South Sudan cargo to Nairobi Freight Terminal helps the country to easily clear more trucks at cheaper rates. We go with clear uh, 200 in a day in Nairobi. Like yesterday, we clear 140. 
in Nairobi. Nairobi is cheaper because each truck is charged $500. And in Mombasa, they charge $900. Now, which is which? The people who are complaining are few. But there are a lot of business communities like, like 1,000. They are happy. So they are telling that you keep the order on, let it not be cancelled. The Forwarders Association say AYE made the decision to get rid of some clearing and forwarding companies because he replaced them with those owned by his own family. AYE strongly denies he has any direct connections with South Sudanese clearing companies operating at the Nairobi Freight Terminal. I don't have a, a company that belongs to my family in those companies. The companies are written by legal affairs here. And I'm not part of, of, of the books or, or memorandum that are inside there. They are not related. The company are not related. The company are those who, who are those who apply. And they apply since 2016. Aye says he has reduced the number of clearing companies in Kenya from 71 to 24, which are now the officially recognized companies. Like other landlocked African countries, South Sudan uses the port of Mombasa in Kenya to import most of its goods. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayar in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, we have some Independence Day specials lined up for you right after this break. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modou. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. The whole of this week, we will run a special feature stories, vox pops, and interviews on how some South Sudanese feel 11 years after their country gained independence. Nearly 11 years after South Sudan's independence, media houses in Juba still face challenges ranging from censorship, poor pay, and government interference. As Waki Simon Wudu reports from Juba, the managing director of the South Sudan Media Authority says an institution run by the government and the private sector should open up the media. They say they cannot allow us to do anything. So because of that, we had to come back. And I actually felt this was so offending because how can just how can someone like a security personnel placed in a in that place have the authority to even stop you from doing your work? That is Ibasi Patricia Tops, a South Sudanese journalist and a program editor at the radio community Singaita FM in Kapoita, county of Eastern Equatorial State. Tops says despite receiving approval from authorities for producing an investigative piece on gold mining in Kapoita, government security personnel blocked her from accessing the gold mine. 
There are some situations where we have seen radio stations have been closed for not adhering to the government line because sometimes the government wants to control the content of outlets uh, in different locations, which is affecting the work of journalism. Access to information is very difficult, especially from the government officials. Patrick Oyet, the president of the Union of Journalists of South Sudan, says efforts to have a vibrant media in the country are hampered by many factors. We ask the government as Union of Journalists that as the economic situation gets better, let us improve pay for journalists. At the moment, it's very difficult for us as Union of Journalists to go to the private media houses and say, can you improve pay? Most South Sudanese journalists working with the private media houses are paid somewhere between 50 and $100 monthly. Journalists working at government-owned media houses say they are paid between 10 and $20 per month. David Renz, the former U.S. Church of the Affairs at the U.S. Embassy in South Sudan, says the government actively censors the press. He says radio stations are routinely shut down. Journalists are asked it not to cover certain topics, including corruption, while others have had to flee and or go into hiding because they dared to report the truth. Michael McQuay is the South Sudan's Minister of Information and a government spokesperson. There is freedom in South Sudan, but there's no freedom in this world which is absolute. Because of your freedom of, expre- of expression, working, you cannot uh, you cannot step on my toes because you are exercising your right or your, your right of freedom of expression. So that freedom which people are talking about is not absolute. And this is known even to those who say that the, the, the space is shrinking. Elijah Alieri, managing director of the South Sudan Media Authority spoke recently during the commemoration of the World Press Freedom Day in Juba. Alier said despite current challenges in the media fraternity across the country, the media industry is growing. He says 222 media companies have been fully licensed by the media authority to operate in the country since February 2017. Alier says incidents of harassment and intimidation of journalists have dropped in recent years and no journalists are being detained for journalistic work in South Sudan. VOA could not independently verify Alier's comments. Media houses must build trust of thy audiences by conducting themselves professionally with the sense of humanity in all media reporting. All level of government, UN agencies and humanitarian organizations operating in South Sudan are hereby reminded to allow and give access for gathering and disseminating of information deemed to be in the public interest. The latest press freedom index released by Reporters Without Borders ranked South Sudan at 128th out of 180 countries worldwide. Reporters Without Borders described press freedom in South Sudan as extremely precarious, where journalists work under constant threat, intimidation and censorship. For VON News, Amwake Simon Wudu in Juba.
A member of the splinter group of the Sudan People's Liberation Movement in opposition says President Salva Kiir and First Vice President Riyak Machar should dialogue with other opposition groups in the country to find a lasting solution to the country's political disagreements. Malakal Gok is the representative of the SPLMIO Kidguang faction loyal to General Simon Garwich. He says South Sudan's crisis can be resolved once the leadership of the country embraces democracy. The interim chairman of the Espera Mayo Kidguang Declaration uh, is hoping to see peace coming back to South Sudan. And uh, with that, they have signed a peace on a framework that all the, the pieces that were uh, hard to be implemented uh, and regulation have neglected uh, could here be implemented. Uh, but unfortunately, when that peace that was actually called to be only focusing on secure arrangements was signed. Uh, in a good faith, we sent, out, we sent in our advanced team. Uh, we were going with the hope to go and complete the remaining part of implementation. Uh, they are in Juba. Uh, Comrade Chairman called them to come out for uh, consultations. We did not call them to withdraw from the agreement. Even though the pre-implementation period that was agreed have not ended, uh, we still made a call for them to come out, to come and give us an update, to give the leadership an update. Uh, now, you stated that the government refused. I did not know. No, I, did, I didn't say the government refused. They, they refused to come out. Your, your team in Juba said they're not coming out. I read something. No, that's not true. Uh, I've been in contact with our team. They, and, and when are they coming out? While they are waiting for the government, to allow them to come out. Why should the government allow them to come out? Because there... it's the government that actually let them go. When they went, they did not just uh, took, took the flight and, flight and went to, to, to Juba. It was within the context of agreement. So if they are coming out, government also should uh, allow them to come out. Mm. So we are waiting on the government response to the call that let them come out for consultation. We are still hoping if there's anything that hasn't been reached, could still have an opportunity to do because we, at the end of the day, it's a search for the peace. Yeah. And, talk to and, me. Talk to me about your effort during the mobilisation for South Sudan's referendum. Give me a little bit of history. I know you were in the forefront mobilising people. Well, and, and that's why I was so uh, happy you asked my comrade here a question earlier because he missed, and I want to go back to a little bit before I answer you. Uh, does this assumption? that when you sign an agreement with the government, people think you joined the SPLM. Uh, you know, we, we, you did not, I heard the discussion, we did not sign the agreement to join the SPLM. I think that was misinterpreted. We joined, we signed the government, the, the agreement with the government, so that there's a peace in the country with the hope that we could still embrace the multi-party system once the security and everything is put in place. Mm -hmm. uh, South Sudan uh, is a country we all worked for. I remember, Comrade, uh, or brother, John Tanza, uh, we work in a very hardship environment with you uh, in Kechkwon and Upper Nile uh, during the, the time of the struggle. Uh, we were uh, all working hard to see South Sudan coming out as a new nation with a lot of aspirations. Uh, we, we work in mobilization, we work in organizing groups during the referendum. I did a lot of work here in the United States uh, mobilizing people to vote for referendum. I supported the referendum so hard. Uh, and I'm not regretting that we have the independence of the country. In fact, uh, I think, as one of the speakers stated earlier, 
we must always learn from the past uh, and, the, and the present so that we, 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 we pave the future of the country. So what we have gone through is an experience that we hope one day our kids and the generation to come will always say never again to go back to what we did or what our leaders have done today. So the, the hope was so... Uh, we were so anxious to see the independent because the suppression with the northern Sudan was so hard on our people. And uh, it's so unfortunate seeing our uh, liberators again turning to be the oppressed. That's Malakal Gok, a representative of the SPLM-IO Kidguang faction led by General Simon Garwich. He was speaking with my colleague John Tanza at the South Sudanese conference in Minnesota. South Sudanese living in Juba are expressing different views and feelings about the country's upcoming 11th independence anniversary. South Sudan in Focus reporter Viola Ilias spoke to some of them. We are just feeling, we are waiting for our day. This is the, this is the best day for us. We started our celebration since yesterday evening. Well, thank you so much. Um, it feels so funny and... I don't know what to say. 11 years down the road, and we are still here, stuck somewhere. Yes, we've seen leaders trying to make, make, uh, make some progress uh, down the road, but when you look around the country, there is a lot of incidents going on. People are fighting each other and all that, and we quite cannot see them look for, for, for solutions to this. They themselves don't go down... Uh, on the ground to solve the issues, to solve the problem in the country. All over, all the four corners of the country, there is fight and fight and fight, and we cannot see anything. I am happy about the independent 11 years, although our government has done nothing for us as citizens. There's a lot of insecurities, people are not secured. Everywhere, everyone is worried about his or her health. Yeah, I feel good, and... Uh... Yes, I feel actually like I'm, I'm, I'm free and uh, at least like uh, I can do some other things, you know, especially ladies, you know, those days, eh? it's uh, they, they, they share a lot of things, yes, but now at least we are free, you, you know, you can put on trousers, you can put on shorts, you put on like, like you're just free to, to, to move on the street and uh, though, yeah, though the security is not that good, but at least, you know, for, I'm talking on my behalf of being a lady, you know, addressing court. You know, those days we used to like follow the Islamic rules, but now we are free. Yeah, the 11 years of independence of South Sudan is so good. Uh, it's impressive, and we like it. All of us to be in uh, good, in harmony, and to be in unity. As we are the citizen of one nation. This 11 is better than those years. It's good. And we hope when the 12 come also, it will become better than this 11. Yeah, I feel very happy. We got our independence. Yeah, but uh, still, though we are independent like this, we still have problems. Like our mother is suffering at home. Like some of our fathers, they don't... Uh, take good care of us so it's our mother to suffer and get those needs for us and even some the government has to focus on this is our some of our fathers are not paid in time so it's a responsibility of our mother to at least get, work hard and get money to feed us feeding is very difficult at home so this is really bad 
well does uh, fight that Sudan is yet again to some post independent contradiction uh, at least we we appreciate the fact that uh, we we got our independence so these internal uh, contradictions as we reflect uh, the far we came from uh, they must be in fact uh, uh, corrected as time passes it's good to have a country first and foremost uh, second uh, uh, independence means responsibility as as we need we are running away from our own responsibility and trying to say that oh well uh independent would have just means land of uh, milk and honey even milk and honey are things that people work for they, they don't just come by themselves the same way actually we struggling we had its struggles from 1955 to 1972 and then from 1983 to 205 um which was a sum total of 30 some years plus is the same amount of time that will actually food will need to food sars to done in order so the notion that you know independence post independence is really really bad and we sars who needs have really failed no we do not know a lot of people do not know what they are actually talking about Yeah, I was happy they, with the first independent, but the current situation in the country, I don't, I, I don't no more feel happy about it because the current situation is not that the country we were expecting it to be. There's no security, no good education, hospitality, and there's nothing that we were expecting. We were happy celebrating the independence, but there is nothing, no development, no nothing. We have a special announcement for listeners. Join us this Saturday, July 9 for a one-hour special edition of this program hosted live from Juba by my colleague John Tanza from 6:30 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. Again, that date is Saturday, July 9th, 2022. That's all we prepared for you this Thursday. Thanks for allowing us into your homes, cars, and on your phones. Join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.